Ladies and gentlemen, thank you for joining me on this episode of Walking Your Talk. I'm your host, Benjamin Arthur, aka Brooklyn Eye Dog. I want to first thank every one of you who has taken their time to listen, especially everyone who has taken time to provide feedback on the podcast and what I can do better and what I'm doing well already. Rest assured, I'm going to do my very best to incorporate all your suggestions as I look to grow this podcast and its listenership organically. I started off by just sharing it with people that I trust because I know they won't hold back on the critique. So if you shared the podcast with someone, I want to personally thank you. And if you haven't shared it yet, I would personally encourage you to do so because I believe that this podcast does not only serve to share my story. I believe it has a place. Um, I believe it also uh, it, se- it seeks to encourage and empower others to own their story and tell it in the way they want to. Uh, creatively and freely. In the end, I hope that me sharing uh, with you, you will find it useful to share as well. The stories may not always have lessons. Some may be funny, some may be sad, some may have highs, and some may have lows. But in the end, I think what's important is that I shared it. One of you asked me why I have chosen to share these stories. Uh, My answer is simply this, these personal experiences have colored my outlook on life Uh, so by telling them this way I am getting the chance to memorialize them and also cement them in history as real and palpable experiences. Um, I'm also, or I also feel like by telling them I get get the, um, the chance to have a more deep and nuanced understanding of them. Uh, that may be I may not necessarily have had when they happened. I also think uh, I may even learn more from them by engaging the content and context of these stories. As I also mentioned earlier, my silent goal, or my hope, or at least uh, maybe a prayer, is, to, is that I hope to allow others to realize how important it is to take up their story, own them, and shamelessly tell them. It doesn't have to be on a podcast, it doesn't have to be on any big platform, it doesn't have to be on social media, Uh, it doesn't even have to be to anyone. But if you don't tell your own story, then someone will, or someone else will tell it for you. And nine times out of ten, history has shown us that they will have it all wrong all the time. But by then, you would have abdicated your power to tell it, and it would be too late. So with that long-winded introduction, welcome to this episode of Walking Your Talk. I'm your host, Benjamin Arthur, aka Brooklyn Eye Dog. The title of this episode is Guns and Drugs on Boxing Day. (laughs) For those who don't know me personally, I was born and raised in Ghana. Ghana is a country located on the west coast of Africa. It's often confused with Guyana, which is actually a country in the Caribbean. It is artificially bordered on the east by a small country called Togo, on the west by Cote d'Ivoire, my Ghanaian people, I hope I'm getting this right, all these facts right, and in the north by Burkina Faso. I use the phrase artificially bordered because these borders do not exist or did not exist uh, pre-colonial times. So they were actually borders that were created by Europeans when they colonized and enslaved the continent. Um, Ghana has a population of about 20 million people, the last I checked, and it's actually uh, 
known to a lot of people as a great travel location or destination because the people uh, because the people are mostly such nice and peaceful people um, also it appears to be um, however this episode is not an episode about the country itself or the country Ghana itself it's actually about a personal encounter and experience I had visiting the country I erstwhile called home in 2019 or 2019 actually was earmarked as the so-called year of return for Ghana Many well-known and well-meaning diasporans took it upon themselves to travel to Ghana to either reconnect with their roots or learn about their ancestors uh, because the year coincided with uh, 400 years since the first black slaves landed in Jamestown, Virginia, or so I've been told. Uh, you had celebrities like Boris Kojo, Naomi Campbell, among others, make their, make their way to the motherland. Several events catering to the masses were put together to celebrate this necessary opportunity for many to come to a place of their ancestors. I had planned to visit Ghana long before this whole year of return thing became a thing. Uh, for the last few years, I had made it my plan to visit at least once a year, uh, have some businesses there, have some econ economic ventures and interests there uh, that, you know, periodically require some oversight. This time around though, it was important to go because I also wanted to go and help with my sister's business venture she had just started. For those listening in Ghana, it is a restaurant called, it's a restaurant called uh, Sugar's Express. It's located in Ngwa, right on Ngwadi Avenue. You can Google the location. It's called Sugar's, uh, it's spelled S-H-U-G-E-Z Express. Uh, it's a great restaurant. She serves some great food. I'm, I'm, I'm biased because she's my sister, but I would entreat you to check it out, check her out. Um, so this is more or less like a shameless plug for her and for, for her business. Um, but back to the story. So nothing against the year of return per se, but that was not my reason for going to Ghana. I was already going to Ghana anyway. Besides, in my warped sense of reality, it was still home or it's still home. And after the long year that I had had, and 2019 was a particularly long year, uh, but 2020 is, 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 is in hard competition with 2019 for being an equally hard, if not worse, year. But I digress. Um, after that long year, I felt like I deserved a little break. So the story happened the day after Christmas, December 26, 2019. I had just purchased some drinks and I was driving to drop them off at my sister's restaurant. Also, there were some people doing some work, painting, carpentry, and the like at the restaurant, so I was also going there to supervise the work. Uh, I was driving from, air, from an area called Community 18 to Nungwa Buade, which is about a two and a half to three mile journey. Uh, it was hot. And a few days into my visit, the air conditioning in the car had decided to give in on me. Uh, so I was managing as best I could without AC, which in the hotbed Accra region, is a great achievement. Uh, with all intentions to go fix it one of the days if I had time and if I if I could, uh, you know, make it to the mechanic. Now, because of the heat, my windows were down as I drove to allow some circulation because otherwise, man, your boy may not have made it. I remember it was like, I remember it like it was yesterday, you know. It was almost midday when I negotiated a right turn onto a road leading to the restaurant. Now, I had, a, I had negotiated this turn several times before without any event. Only this time, there was going to be an event 
and not just an event, but one that will taunt and haunt me and create ripple effects of anxiety for the rest of my visit and possibly the rest of my life. Now, the road only stretched about 20 meters before me, uh, before it bent left. Uh, there were about two cars ahead of me when I made the right turn, and I could see both of them in the near distance on their merry way when I turned. So as soon as I turned, I noticed about five or six uniformed patrolmen or police officers of sorts standing around a parked pickup truck. Seeing, seeing that the two cars in front of me were neither stopped nor detained, I figured, oh, happy day. They are probably just hanging out, but boy, was I wrong. Hmm. So one of them made eye contact and immediately gestured for me to stop. Now, Ghanaian police stopping me while driving, unfortunately, had become an all-too-familiar experience. Let me explain. Ghana police are one of the most systemically corrupt groups of law enforcement agencies that exist on earth. And I'm not making this up. Sadly, the truth is that they are so systemically corrupt that bribery is widely known to be an acceptable practice of the police in Ghana. When you are stopped by the police, it is a well-known fact that they care less about the crime you have committed. And trust me, there is rarely ever any justifiably justifiable crime for a stop than they are about your, the financial content of your pockets. You know, like a nightclub dancer or a strip club dancer, they literally can smell the money from miles away and have cultivated a sense that allowed them to know who to stop and who not to waste their time on because it will amount to nothing. I had quickly in the short time that I was home realized that I was a target. Now, I've been driving in Ghana previous times when I had visited and I've been stopped before, but this particular visit, I had been stopped almost every single day that I drove. I'm not making this up. I'm not exaggerating. Almost every single day. I don't know for sure what the reason was for the multitude of stops. Um, I don't know if they were particularly policing more aggressively because of this so-called year of return thing to create an atmosphere of security for visitors or that they were seeing it, it as an opportunity to line their pockets as usual. But it was getting quite tiring and frustrating to be stopped every day and most times quote-unquote randomly, but I digress. Also, I think it's important for the sake of context to give a little bit of a description of myself and the reason why I imagine I was also an easy target. Uh, for those who have not met me or who don't know me, I'm a black man. I'm dark in complexion. I'm about six feet, two inches tall. I live in New York City. I am a doctor and I have long hair. Now, it is easy to spot me in a crowd and I don't fit the typical mode for uh, mode cast for a professional by Ghanaian standards. Now, did I mention that I have long hair? Also, I would much rather, I'm the kind of person that would much rather wear uh, a t-shirt and shorts than a suit and tie. Um, so, you know, but during, and during my visit this time around to Ghana, I had decided to wear my hair in comb coils, which appears like dreadlocks to, to most people. Unfortunately, there is a stereotype about what a professional should look like and what a hoodlum should look like in Ghana. Most Ghanaians, in this case police, immediately conclude so many things about an individual by simply taking a look at the outside. I was stopped many times, not because, well, I think, I think I was stopped many times, not because I had committed any crime or broken any rules. Uh, I was stopped simply because of the way I look. 
Living in New York City as a black man who drives, I have been stopped many times for different reasons, some of which I can say I suspect are simply because I am black driving a nice car. However, there has not been a single time that I had been stopped and not been given a reason for the stop or been told simply that it was a random stop. Also, I've been living in New York City for over 10 years and I can count the number of times I've been stopped by police. And so, to have been stopped by Ghana police more times in two weeks than I've ever been stopped in New York City makes no justifiable sense. But, let's move on. Back to the story. So when the officer gestured for me to stop, I complied and I slowly brought my vehicle to a halt. Two of the officers approached the front passenger side of the vehicle and one of them spoke to me. He said, <laughs> I'm laughing because every time I tell the story and every time I think about it, the whole thing sounds so ridiculous to me. <laughs> anyway, he said, and I quote, uh, we have reason to suspect that you have guns and drugs in this vehicle. My ears perked up immediately and my mind started to race. I thought, guns and drugs? Are they serious? I mean, they have reason to suspect? What is their reason to suspect this? And why my vehicle specifically? I mean, <laughs> the fact that none of the two vehicles ahead of mine had been stopped and there were all the other vehicles driving past without being stopped made me even more worried and more anxious. Uh, that coupled with the fact that uh, in the last the, the few days prior, I was and I still am in a legal financial battle with a former classmate who was stolen from me uh, and made it even more uh, problematic for me. Um, so, and also the reason that it was even more problematic was that this, this classmate of mine had previously had access to my vehicle and not only that, he also knew that one of my doors did not close properly. So my my mind was racing. I was like, had he come and planted something in the car? I mean, <laughs> I don't know about you, but something about this stuff felt a whole lot different from all those other stuffs and I was gravely afraid. stop here <laughs> but so if you want to know what happened to me uh after this stop i want you to come back next time to listen to the rest of the story uh, did i really have guns in my my car was was something planted in my car was i arrested if you want to know all about what happens to the rest of the story i want you to come back and listen to the rest the next episode of this podcast but um I want to just kind of talk a little bit about uh, something that I think is important to just address. Um, and it may come back again because this is something that I'm actually particularly passionate about and it's about um, just behavior. And um, I just want to, I don't want to use it blanketly, but uh, in this case, it's about Ghanaian behavior. Uh, Ghanaians have over the years become overly religious and legalistically moral creatures. Uh, Ghanaians know more about the outside world than they do about themselves as a people. I feel like this self-taught, I, I, I call it hatred and disregard for what is inherently um, Ghanaian is what continuously colors the society's outlook on things. 
the idea that the other is superior and that what, what was culturally good for our ancestors is inferior is what accounts for a lot of the failures of the country. The rejection of languages that belong to our culture for English reinforces the message that as a people, we are just not enough or we don't have enough. Our male ancestors had hair. They allowed their hair to grow. Razors and cutting hair is what an outsider imposed upon the people because they have a view of the black man that did not quite fit theirs. I learned that our ancestors asked their hair to be shaved off before they boarded the slave ships because they felt they had no more glory and that they were better off dead. Yes, the shaved head culturally meant they have lost everything. As to if that is when hair shaving of the African head started, I don't know. I have to do some more research. I can't say that, that that's when it started. Uh, but today, the stereotype is that if you have any type of long hair in Ghana, especially if you're a male with long hair or anything that looks remotely like dreadlocks, then you must absolutely be a weed smoker of some sort or you are just immediately judged as a hoodlum or somebody with no future or somebody who's absolutely useless. Mind you, not that I'm, I need to make any point, but mind you, I've never smoked a joint in my life. Um, the mental fabric of the people of Ghana is saturated with the type of religion that I hesitate to call Christianity because this is, it is everything but Christianity. Driving through the streets of Accra, all you see are these huge billboards of advert advertisements for crusades and events in the name of miracles at a price when the actual traditional and moral fabric of the systems rot. Ghanaians just, know, just don't know anything about their history and themselves, period. I watched a show on Facebook a few weeks ago where the reporter went around the streets of Ghana asking people about their opinion on a topic and each and every one of the people interviewed spoke from this so-called religious point of view. It was like watching a train wreck happening right before my eyes and not being able to do anything about it. This toxic religiosity pervades the psyche of the people, preventing them from being able to think critically and use their God-given brains, limiting their thoughts to just mere regurgitations of someone who has spewed it from a place of authority. Is there a way out? I can only wonder. Three days ago, I saw a post on Facebook about a Ghanaian nurse. The nurse was being pursued because she had twerked in uniform. <laughs> it's almost ridiculous. She had, she, had, she, had, she had decided to twerk in her uniform in a video and she was being pursued so she would be disciplined by the nursing council. I mean, seriously. I asked myself, what has this woman's twerking skills got to do with her ability to do her work? So she twerked. She didn't place a line wrongly. She didn't kill a patient from neglect. She, she just used her own legs and hips and butt and simply twerked. Now to exert any type of punishment, in my opinion, is to assume a legalistic and moralistic high ground. And I only hope that these people who exert such unreasonable expectations are not met with the same standards when their skeletons start crawling out of their various closets. I hope that when their skeletons start crawling out of, out of their closets and their secrets start to be spilled in, in different ways, they would be met with grace and not with condemnation. Because I highly doubt that they will survive the same castigations.
I would like to personally thank you for listening to this episode of Walking Your Talk. I hope you found the episode and stories to be helpful and enlightening. Remember to subscribe if you can and share it with everyone if you can. It will encourage me to continue providing you with more thought-provoking content. Also, I would love to hear from you and get information by way of feedback and also what you would want me to talk about. You can find me on Instagram. My Instagram handle is Brooklyn I Doc. That's one word, Brooklyn I and Doc. You can find me on Facebook by searching for my name, my first name, Benjamin. My last name is Arthur. You can also subscribe to my YouTube channel by searching for Dr. Benjamin Arthur on YouTube. Until next time, always remember this. Talk is cheap. Walk your talk.